And so if you have your Bibles, please open up with me a familiar place of Scripture that continues to contain the depth of the wisdom and knowledge of God, the unsearchable treasures of Christ, the book of Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. This promise commandment is the inheritance of the saints of all generations. That is, all generations of saints. And this commandment of Christ is addressed specifically to his students. Therefore, people who do not acknowledge the power of the person sent by God over themselves have no part in the inheritance of this commandment and most likely will never be able to have it. Relevant to fulfilling this required commandment, we stop to study the purpose of the righteousness of God in the heart of a man, specifically the goals that the righteousness of God abiding within our heart is called to pursue and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets in which we die by the law for the law to live for the one that died and resurrected and by doing so receive confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in the format of the law of the spirit of life so that we provide God a basis to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the past law but by the righteousness of faith like he gave it to Abraham and his seed for the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith Romans 4.13 we note that the righteousness of faith is determined by the obedience of our faith to the faith of God, which is presented in the preached word of God sent and the person who is a father from God to us. The faith of God is information that comes from hearing, listening to the word of God, to listen and obey what you hear. Isaiah says, I say it with sorrow, but not all have believed our report, the preached word that he had spoken. And so faith is from hearing, and hearing is from the word of God, and our faith is the readiness to immediately obey and fulfill what we hear in order to fulfill it when we hear it. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is given only to those men who clothe themselves into the virtue of a student. This has allowed them to be obedient to the order of God in accordance to which God sends them his word by the mouth of his delegated one. Therefore, the covenant of peace within the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God which are the spoken words of God's delegated ones. In a specific format, we've already looked at six signs by which we need to determine and examine ourselves as to whether we are sons of peace as well as the sons of God and have been studying the seventh sign. The seventh sign is our ability to clothe our essence into the holy and selective love of God. The word holy, the term holy, is selective. 
Specifically, a holy love separates the pure from the impure, holy from unholy, and in order to love what is pure and holy. I will remind us that all of the lambs that are in the flock are pure, but they're not holy. A holy one is pure, but what is pure is not always holy. Only that lamb that is separated from the flocks for sacrifice receives the status of a holy lamb until we have separated ourselves so that we could die for this nation, for the house of our father, and for the destructive desires of our soul, we lose the status of holiness that we have received freely in the format of a guarantee because God does not bear the unrighteous or unholy. We have received this as a guarantee and now we need to confirm our position that we are holy in the selective love of God. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Colossians 3, 14, 15. We have noted that according to this place of scripture, the reign of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the selective love of God will abide within our heart, and if we will be clothed into the selective love of God. When the love of God is offered as a love, uh, but is not a holy love, oftentimes people say, God, first of all, is a God of love. It's not true. God, first of all, is a holy God, and only after that is he a God of love. <clears throat> People do not repeat, God is love, God is love, and the angels in heaven, they say, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is filled with his glory, and so all of his qualities that are within him, they are holy qualities. God loves one and hates the other. He loves and hates those who hate him. To love is not an emotional thing. Lord, you know that I love you. How will I know that you love me? If you will not show me these, these things, show me that you love me, fulfill my commandments, this will be testimony of your love for me. But you say, Lord, I, I love you, you know that I love you, but I can't fulfill my commandments. You see my unfortunate position. If you would have loved me, God says, you would have taken your nature in, and submerged it into the death of my son, Jesus Christ. I paid the price. This is the great price I paid so that you can be free from decay, but you are holding on to it, saying, Lord, I can't. You see, I have emotions and feelings. According to this place of scripture, in the selective love of God, which is the atmosphere of the peace of God, we see concealed the good, wonderful, eternal, and uncomprehending for the human mind, goals and works of God, called to build a unique and peaceful relationship between God and his children, because God died only for his children. In the book of Ephesians, God had, Jesus had committed his life for his church, cleansing her with pure waters by his word so that she be holy and without blemish before him. He died only again for his church. God loved not the world, <coughs> but those who believe in this world. Because God so loved the world, 
that he gave his only begotten son that anyone who believes in him would have everlasting life. And so we see that trans the translation here was not ac accurate. It needed to be translated uh, correctly. So God so loved everyone who believes in this world that he gave his only begotten son so that these that believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. We see that Apostle Paul, the very same apostle, writes lower in the very chapter that everything that's in this world is lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. And it cannot be that the same disciple, the same person would write that God so loved the world and then tells you not to love anything in the world. God hates the world, has judged the world. Apostle Peter writes that the world has been condemned and is prepared for destruction and to, re, uh, to try to reestablish it is not possible. We, we hear these evangelists and they sincerely state, but they are not teachers and so they don't have the knowledge about God. They have possibly, uh, they call people, they have about three to four sermons that they have, they call people to God, they cannot uh, sustain the church with the truth when they uh, speak. When they preach in Mexico, they preach that uh, Mexico is sa saved. Or, or Africa saved, or any other country that they may be in, uh, a, there's a blessed people, by, they're blessed people, but they don't understand what they're saying. Africa will not be saved. And Africa with the rest of the countries of the world are condemned. God will save the people that are within Africa. He says to Apostle Paul, Paul, watch for the people that are in the city I do not plan to save the whole city I'm planning to save the people that are within that city the world is condemned I am say I'm planning to save the people that are in this world I loved those people that are in the world that are already the in the world that is already condemned in scripture, the character of the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in scripture, by the preached word of the apostles and prophets in the form of seven unchanging elements. This is virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. In a specific format, we've already looked at the demonstration of the selective love of God in the qualities of virtue, knowledge, self-control, and perseverance, and stopped to study the virtue of the love of God in the mystery of great godliness. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh, justified in the spirit, seen by angels, preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in glory. 1 Timothy 3.16 And as we have noted, all of these things God will do by the chosen by him remnant. This is by them that he will has manifested himself in the flesh. He will manifest himself through these individuals because only specific people have seen him in the flesh, but he had manifested himself in the flesh to all that are, that is to all of his church, that it be made known through the church to all the principalities in heaven, the great many forms of God's wisdom. 
And so, in heaven, on earth, and in hell, God demonstrates himself through his chosen remnant. <clears throat> Relevant to this fact, we came to the necessity to look at four classical questions. What characteristics do the scriptures ascribe to the godliness of God and that of man? <clears throat> what purpose is godliness called to fulfill within our relationship with God and God's relationship with us? Third, what conditions do we need to fulfill in order to collaborate our godliness with the godliness or goodness of God, in order to draw God's favor upon ourselves with our own favor toward Him, to be able to draw His favor. When we are favorable to God, then His favor is upon us. By what signs do we identify that our godliness is truly collaborating with the godliness of God? and not, of course, with its uh, falsification or counterfeit. In a specific format, we've already looked at the first three questions and two signs of question four, by which we can identify that we are collaborating our godliness with the goodness of God, and stop to look at the third sign. The third sign by which we can examine ourselves and determine that we are demonstrating the selective love of God and are collaborating our godliness with the goodness or godliness of God is by the fact that the Lord is our shepherd. Psalm of David, Psalm 23, 1 through 6. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads me, though, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And so, of course, he's talking about a celebration and a table that is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God, being inspired by the Holy Spirit. Evidence of the fact that the Lord is our shepherd in the given psalm of David consists of four parts. First, the Lord makes me lie down in green pastures. The Lord leads me beside the still waters. The Lord restores my soul. The Lord leads me in the path of righteousness. To examine yourself and weigh yourself upon the scale plates of righteousness, on the fact that we possess the above-listed components, is to be done by another four components, which become evident when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, or when we begin the process of casting off of our old person from ourselves with his deeds. We first will not fear evil, for God will be with us. Jesus, by the Holy Spirit, had been raised to the tree or upon the tree. The Son of God, He had been risen to the tree. He had been crucified for us. We need the power and help of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus also needed help from the Holy Spirit in order to finish that work. We need to destroy the stronghold of death within our body. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us on that. And he will be with us when we'll be casting off this old person from ourselves. He will be with us in the power of his Holy Spirit. His rod and his staff, they will comfort us. And at this time, God will prepare before 
us a table and the presence of our enemies. That is those enemies that are called lusts and fleshly desires of the soul. God will anoint our head with oil and our cup will run over. In a specific format, we together have already looked at the first four signs by which we need to determine that the Lord is our shepherd and turn to look at the other four signs that are confirmation of the fact that the first four signs are with us when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. In short formulations, I shall bring forth these three results that have already been the subject of our studies in the previous services and that are confirmation that the Lord is our shepherd. And we will look at the fourth result. First result that will be confirmation of the fact that the Lord is our shepherd consists in us not fearing evil but because God is with us in the power of his Holy Spirit and will help us be delivered, be freed from the old person with his deeds. He shall be bound and will be blotted out. He shall be thrusted out. The stronghold of death shall be thrusted out. Second result that the, of, that is confirmation of the fact that the Lord is our shepherd consists in the Lord's rod and staff comforting us. The staff of the Lord is the word of God that comes out of the mouth of God. When we will be hearing the word of God, it will not make us panic. It actually will calm us down. Oftentimes people become afraid soon we can perish, there's so many prophecies around us stating these things, but the scriptures say you are saved and God, and no one will take you from my hand, God says. Next result that the Lord is our shepherd is that the Lord has prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. He shall give to us the promise of hope. He will give us the promise that belongs to the door of our hope. And, of course, when we will be taking in this promise and thanking God that he has returned to us the Valley of Accor and the vineyards and our youth that has been wasted away, when we will be eating that are and accepting the fact that our bodies are returning to their youth, that we are carriers of the heavenly body, right in the presence of our enemies. They will tell you something different. You feel this and this and this. And they'll tell you, look in the mirror. Do you not look in the mirror to see that you are aging? But you will say, <clears throat> I'm looking into a different mirror. I look at who God is for me, what he's done for me, and who I am to him. That is the mirror that I'm looking into and transformed into his image. And so the fourth result by which we can determine that the Lord is our shepherd will consist in God anointing our head with oil and our cup will run over. Together, these four results represent the goodness and mercy of God with which He will accompany us all the days of our life so that we can dwell in the house of the Lord forever. As it is written, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Before we begin to study the nature and purpose of anointed oil with which God anointed the head of David, as he with thanksgiving was able to testify before God that his cup, the cup of all his yearning and waiting, runs over. It wasn't just fulfilled, but has been given. I want to remind us that the warrior in prayer whom David was and, who's, and those like him is always an anointed of the Lord. 
At the same time, the anointed of the Lord, whom Saul was, and those like him, is not always a warrior in prayer. <clears throat> Therefore, the state of the heart of God, when he anoints man that are partakers of the category of Saul, and the state of God's heart, when he anoints man that are partakers of the category of David, in measure and in consistency, will be drastically different and differ one from the other. Here's what God said <clears throat> about the anointing that he used for Saul. <laughs> oh Israel, you are destroyed, but your help is from me. <laughs> when people reject God's theocracy and they implement a democratic system, we still need to vote or elect for ourselves. They d decide this is dictatorship. They say this is dictatorship. But he says, you have destroyed yourself, Israel, but your help is from me. I will be your king. Where is any other? That he may save you in all of your cities. He talks about... Uh, Saul and your judges to whom you said give me a king and a prince I gave you a, a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath <coughs> Israel in the form of their elders rejecting the, their God as their king in the form of Samuel destroyed themselves and the king that God gave them in the anger of his heart Saul was never a warrior in prayer and not only did he not tremble before the word of God spoken by Samuel but allowed himself to pervert this word with the interpretations of his own mind, trusting that his corrections are not the perversions of the words of Samuel, and due to the circumcision or circumstances that were at the time, his opinion will be better than directly fulfilling the words that were spoken by him. And then God rejected Saul, found another man that would be a warrior in prayer, and anointed him as king, a prophet and a priest so that he can present his interests just as Samuel presented his interests as it is written. And afterwards they asked for a king, so God gave them Saul, the son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, for forty years. And when he had removed him, he raised up for them David, a king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. From this man's seed, according to the promise, God raised up for Israel a Savior, Jesus. Acts 13.21-23 This is symbol, symbolically a woman that receives the word and confesses it, the, the function again of a female. When we accept the word of God, we fulfill the function of a female. And confessing the word, we fulfill the function of a male. And so he says again, I have found a man after my own heart. <coughs> God brings you peace because you confess the things that you receive. He does not anoint you by the Holy Spirit in wrath. He says, I found a man after my own heart, David, the son of Jesse, who will do all that I will. Mm. 
And so again, from that line, God has erected the stronghold of resurrection for us. This was Acts 13, 21 through 23. When David says that God anoints his head with oil, he does not mean that format of anointing with which the prophet Samuel anointed him as king. In this situation, uh, that wasn't the situation that he was referring to. He is referring to a very different format of anointing that dedicated him as a priest and a prophet and included the use of holy anointed oil for the purpose of holy anointing. They only anointed prophets and priests with this specific type of oil. <clears throat> Again, a priest and a prophet were anointed with this kind of holy oil. There were a lot of very many uh, perfumes and aromatic oils. In Hebrew, the word anointed means anoint, enrich, or fill, rub into, apply fragrance oil to saturate, dedicate for service to God, endow with the right to power to run to God, and prepare for coronation. It is about this power status of this fragrant oil giving a person the ability to celebrate in Christ Jesus that Apostle Paul spoke, saying, Now thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. You see what kind of anointing is here. <clears throat> For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. This fragrance, this oil of myrrh, will be, again, for some to be saved, other for perishing, to the one who are the aroma of death leading to death, and to the other the aroma of life leading to life, and who is sufficient for these things. You, you know, when a person takes my notes of the sermon and begins to add things to it uh, because it's something that he finds to be a little bit of an improvement or change and he doesn't think about who he's preaching uh, to he takes the, the the notes then adds to them and preaches them these words this is an aroma of death for we are not as so many peddling the word of God but as of sincerity but as from God we speak in the sight of God in Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 through 17. Anointing oil with which Saul anointed David gave, gave him as a prince power to the right to worship God at, at the threshold of the temple. At the same time, the anointing that made his cup run over and opened the way to the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ gave David the right to the power to put on the holy garment of the high priest and enter into the holy place. Not looking at the fact that he was from the line of Levi, he was from the line of Aaron, he did have the status of Aaron in this situation. He took upon himself the mantle that a simple priest was not able to put on, only the high priest was able to wear these, and he carried it with himself in his uh, journeys, in his paths, and every time he needed to pray, he asked the people to bring him the ephod. <clears throat> the ephod needed to be upon you so that the urim and the thummim that were in the breastplate of judgment so that God would speak through them to him. 
it will not happen that that Jesus that Paul preaches about respond to me no we need that this Jesus in the form of the arm and thumb and be in your heart so that there be a tower within you so that you in your heart would be able to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and he would be able to hear you and so this is a very different format of anointing again to apply the oils, to rub them in. Psalm 63, 1 through 4. Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you, my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. You see, in his sanctuary, when another king, Hosea, tried to enter into the sanctuary, he was not like David. He was not dedicated as David. He then had a leprous, uh, leprosy that had uh, broken out upon his forehead. But we see that David saw the Lord in the, in the sanctuary. God gave him revelations. He communicated. God communicated with David. We see this in his Psalms. Those revelations, those uh, parables that he had cloaked his prayers into. So as I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory, because your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live, specifically because David's head was anointed with oil, giving him the right to the power to enter into the holy place in order to inherit the promise of adopting his body by the redemption of Christ. David, of all of the kings of Judah and Israel, was the exception and was greatly exalted by God. Moreover, then Lord, the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Also take for yourself quality spices, uh, remember, this is the same oil God will use to anoint our head. Also take for yourself quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of sanctuary, and a hint of olive oil, and you shall make from these a holy anointing, oil, an anointment compounded according to the art of the perfumer, it shall be a holy anointing, oil, and you shall anoint Aaron and his sons, and consecrate them, that they may be ministers to me as priests. The presence, in the presence of God, a person needs to be fragrant, his body, his clothing, needs to be fragrant as God is fragrant. Practically, God gi gives his nature here in this oil, in his myrrh. This wasn't a simple oil. This was a, a compound made, and not all were able to prepare it properly. You needed a perfumer that received the revelation from the Holy Spirit so that he can correctly uh, use all of the proper components that were required to create this anointed oil. A 
And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying, This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it according to its composition. It is holy, and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it, or whomever puts any of it on an outsider, shall be cut off from his people. Exodus 30, 22-33 The body of our Heavenly Father is fragrant. For the one it is fragrant, for the other it is a foul smell. Such a format of anointing gave David the ability to be fertilized by the seed of the kingdom of heaven and the ability to grow from his seed the fruits of the tree of life in order to provide God proper grounds to erect within his body the stronghold of eternal life. This is the meaning contained in the words, my cup runs over, which means the inheritance that was prepared for me in the adoption of my body by the redemption of Christ, you have prepared before my enemies. In other words, the format of such an anointing provides us the legitimate grounds to make a matrimonial union a contract with God. He shall not make a matrimonial union with infants in Christ. This person needs to have already the reproductive functions to be able to receive the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. You hear and receive, and it is already as grain in a bag. A grain in a bag does not grow. It needs to be planted into the good soil of the heart. And a heart that is not cleansed from dead works will not be able to receive it. We need to who say things about themselves that are strange. It's as if always in the form of images or signs. And we think, why is everything in symbols and symbols, people co comment. But Jesus says the opposite. I desire to reveal the wealth of my Father in parables and allegories. From the creation of the world, God had concealed all these things. Lord, why do you speak in parables? They asked him. The disciples asked, because to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom, but to them it has not. You will understand them, but others won't. They will interpret them for themselves. Because the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ is the matrimonial union with God where God receives proper grounds to erect within our body the stronghold of life in order to abide within our body. At the same time, we receive the right to the power to abide in His body, which is the great Jerusalem, which is the chosen by God remnant. This is where His body lies. This is where it is. And although people are present in the church, that does not mean that they are present in the spiritual body of Christ that is the spiritual Jerusalem because they do not acknowledge him actually if they would have acknowledged the status of Jerusalem they would acknowledge the status of the king that is in Jerusalem it's not possible there be a Jerusalem where people choose their own king or elect for themselves their own king I will bring them forth from the midst of the, of the nation this king but they say we don't need him we don't know this person when the lot was cast and my name was uh, my name was drawn and they asked for a program 
how you're going to take care of us or how you're going to run the service and asked them, I'm not sure what you're talking about. I told them they wanted a specific uh, instructional. And that's for the first time I hear that a pastor present a program by which he will tend the people and then the people would make the decision then whether they like that or not. I told them, you, there will be much you will not like from what I will show you. This is only for the spiritual ear, a circumcised ear. An uncircumcised ear will not be able to receive those things. Again, a matrimonial union with God. Furthermore, we need to keep in mind that anointing with such oil is a process that is in status, the year of the redeemed, which is in the fourth realm, and has nothing to do with our time, although it is present in it as well. The fourth realm is in time, in the, it is not dependent and it, it is uh, above it or overcomes it for the day of vengeance is in my heart and the year of my redeemed has come Isaiah 63.4 we see here not the year of the Lord where God receives the ability to redeem our body by the redemption of Christ before the coronation of takes place in meeting with the Lord in the air this again where God receives the proper basis to adopt our body before coronation. Expanding on this thought, I want to bring forth a symbol of one unique event in which application of oil for the span of one year occurred and the process of adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. Because first, the process of applying oils gives God the proper basis to get to know man and man to know God. And second, the process of applying oils prepares a person for coronation to the throne of David within his own personal body in the format of the stronghold of life. <laughs> the time came, each young woman turned, uh, woman's turn came to go into the king Artisers after she has completed 12 months of preparation according to the regulations for the women. This was a symbol of that oil that David was anointed with and that God anoints our head with. For thus were the days of their preparation apportioned, six months with oil of myrrh and six months with the perfumes and preparation for beautifying women. Thus prepared each young woman went to the king and she was given whatever she desired to take with her from the women's quarters to the king's palace. The evening she went and in the morning she returned to the second house of the women to the custody of Shashgaz, the king's eunuch who kept the concubines. She would not go to the king again unless she, the king delighted in her and called her for her by name. Now, when the turn came for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go to the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai, the king's eunuch, the custodian of the women, advised her, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Artaxerxes into his royal palace. The king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins, so he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti.
And again, because this is symbolizing here in the 10th month, that means she did, uh, the, king, the law did not apply to her. She was independent. She was redeemed and it no longer condemned her. Then the king made a great feast, the Feast of Esther, for all his officials and servants, and he proclaimed a holiday in the provinces and gave gifts according to the generosity of a king. Esther 2, 12 through 18. Here it's talking about Will be given, she will be given power. The first thing that I wanted to pay attention to is the fact that the 12-month preparation with oils of myrrh and other oils, other fragrances, was something that was experienced by many young women, but only one became wife and was coronated to the royal throne. The number 12 indicates the presence of order in which the body of Christ functions, which shows itself within the heart of a man in the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ. In the 12 foundation of the walls of the Great Jerusalem, in the 12 pearly gates of the Great Jerusalem, in the bronze sea that lays upon the 12 bronze oxen, in the 12 precious stones of the breastplate of judgment, and so these number 12, God's order, Second, each woman was prepared with the fragrant oil. She came into the king in the evening and in the morning returned to the uh, other house of women that was managed by Shashgaz, the royal eunuch, the keeper of the concubines, and she would not go to the king again unless the king delighted in her and called her by name. Therefore, the son born to the king from a woman who is a concubine could only count on gifts but could not count on becoming heirs of his throne. At the same time, the sons that are born from the woman who is his wife were able to count on the inheritance of the king and to his throne. We need to keep uh, and ask the question, why were many beautiful women chosen from the multitude of women prepared with fragrant oils and other royal perfumes, but were not able to obtain favor from the king, and the king was not able to love them as he loved Esther? The reason for why many beautiful women who experienced the preparation of royal anointing were not able to obtain favor from the king was their personal choices when it came to the items she would put on to be likable to the king and to obtain favor from him. Esther refused to decide for herself and trusted rather the choices of Hegai, the eunuch who was the custodian of the women, and only asked of the things he recommended to her. Hegai, in this event, is a symbol of the Urim, the Holy Spirit, revealing the truth in the heart or the Thummim within the heart. Now, when the turn came to, uh, for Esther, the daughter of Abihail, the uncle of Mordecai, who was Mordecai, who had taken her as his daughter to go to the king, she requested nothing but what Haggai the king 
The king's eunuch, the custodian of women, advised her, and Esther obtained favor in the sight of all who saw her. So Esther was taken to King Artaxerxes and to his royal palace in the tenth month, which is the month of Tibet, in the seventh year of his reign. And the king loved Esther more than all the other women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than all the virgins. So he set the royal crown upon her head and made her queen instead of Vashti. The many beautiful women is a category of saints having the truth in their lamps, the elementary teaching of Christ, but not having this truth in the vessels of their heart, that in the voice of the Holy Spirit would have been able to reveal the mystery of adopting their bodies by the redemption of Christ and the truth that had they had in the lamps of their heart. Therefore, the guarantee that confirms the status of a bride of a lamb is the vessel of our heart, filled with oil containing the revelation of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit about the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. For God loveth none but him that dwelleth with wisdom, the one that dwelleth with wisdom. <clears throat> Wisdom of Solomon 7:28. In order to obtain oil for the vessel of our heart in the format of fragrance, fragrant uh, royal application that our head can be anointed with in the presence of our enemies, I will remind us of four simple and clear for us sequential steps. For God loveth none but him that dwelleth with wisdom. First, it is necessary for us being instructed in the faith to cleanse our heart from dead works by the cross of the Lord Jesus in order to die for our nation, the house of our Father, and for our corrupt desires of the soul. This is the first condition. The second condition, it is necessary by doing and fulfilling the instruction that is given to us, being instructed in the faith, to imprint upon the clean tablets of our heart the truth of the elementary teaching of Christ in the twelve foundations of the wall of the New Jerusalem <clears throat> and, its and its twelve pearly gates. Third, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith to receive into your heart the Holy Spirit and the status of the Lord and Master of your life so that we can reveal to us the mystery on the of these elementary teachings of Christ that is imprinted upon the tablets of our heart which consists in adopting our body by the redemption of Christ. <clears throat> Fourth, it is necessary by being instructed in the faith consider yourself dead to sin and living for God proclaiming the non-existent as existent the existent stronghold of life in the form of the throne of David within your body as existent as it is written surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever with these words David by the means of his pure mouth proclaimed the faith of God abiding within our heart in the form of promises <clears throat> that belong to the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. Second, having this promise identified in the heart of David as the goodness and mercy of God is the stronghold of life that was called to be erected in the body of David. Third, with these words, David confirmed the present in his heart promise about the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ, received by him in his head or upon his head the anointing of oil. Fourth, with these words, David indicated the final goal of his calling, which consisted in his voluntary strive to abide in the house of the Lord forever. This is the body of Christ as the bride of the Lamb. Fifth, abiding in the house of the Lord forever, David saw as a matrimonial union that he made with God in dying for his nation, the house of his father, and for his corrupt desires of the flesh. 
Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Psalm 45, 10, 11. Practically anointing your head with oil in the presence of your enemies, being the old person with his deeds, is the concluding portion which serves as confirmation of the fact that he, the Lord, is our shepherd as well as a sign of the fact that our favor to God to successfully collaborate with the favor of God or to turn upon him, on us his favor in his goodness and his mercy. Fourth sign by which we can examine ourselves in demonstrating the selective love of God, we are collaborating our godliness with the goodness of God, is to be done by the result of receiving the promise that we will have a son by the by the means of whom God will perform judgment over our old person. <clears throat> then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth tree of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may, ref may refresh your hearts. After that, you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. They said, Do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said quickly, Make ready three measures of fine meal, knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran to the herd, took a tender and good calf, gave it to the young man and he hastened to prepare it. So he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them and he stood by them under the tree as they ate. Then they said to him, Where is Sarah your wife? So he said, Here in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. God is already giving him specific instructions, his promise to him at the door of his hope. Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh as she laughed in the tent? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Then the men rose from there and looked toward Sodom, and Abraham went with them to send them on the way. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I, ha I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed by him. For I have, I have known him in order that he may command his children <coughs> and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. And the Lord said, Because the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grave, I will go down now and see what, whether they have done altogether according to the outcry against it that had come to me, and if not, I will know. Then the men returned away from there and went toward Sodom, but Abraham still stood before the Lord. In this event, I would like to turn our attention to five sequential steps, although there are many more of them that allowed Abraham to see the, to see and know God and God, and to God it allowed God to fulfill to, for Abraham the promise that he had given to him when he called him out from Ur of the Chaldeans from Haran. 
Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get out of your country, from your family, and your father's house, to a land that I will go and show you. I will make you a great nation, I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. <coughs> Only when he was 90 years old did the Lord give him this promise. <coughs> and so first thing we need to pay attention to is the place where the Lord appeared to Abraham. Second, in what circumstances and what state was Abraham in which God when God appeared to Abraham. Third, pay attention to the act that Abraham had done, providing God grounds to allow Abraham to see him. Fourth, by paying attention to what Abraham did when he saw God. And fifth, pay attention to the promise that God gave Abraham when he received the prepared by Abraham food. And he, we will remember that we are studying these events with all of the locations and persons in our own personal body. First question, what purpose within our body does the terebinth tree of Moray serve, the place where God appeared to Abraham? God can't appear but only upon this place. I will remind us that the tree of terebinth where Abraham spread his tents was under the rule of one very war-oriented and famous Amorite prince of Moray from the areas of Hebron that was a friend of Abraham that upon practice means that Abraham and Moray made a covenant together. <coughs> Hebron from where Moray came means a place of union, a place of covenant, or a place of an oath. At the same time, the name Moray means word. Word. Abraham made a covenant with the word of the Lord that comes out of the mouth of God. That Terebinth growth that was planted by Moray was a white oak that before the flood was called the tree of Gopher. The material that was used by Noah at his time according to God's command to build the ark so that he could save his house. Considering that the symbol of Abraham within our body is our new person, the friend of our new person being Moray is the word of God, planted in our heart from the tree of Gopher for the salvation of our house. Then Jesus said to these Jews who believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. John 8, 31, 32. Therefore, so that we can take control of the good land and the form of our body redeemed by God in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ from the power and law of sin and death, we, like Abraham, need to make a covenant with Moray as the word of the new covenant with God in the form of Jesus Christ so that it can abide within our heart and we abide within it. This is very important. For the most part, people, for them, the word of God is not an authority. Dreams and prophecies is an authority for them. Second question, in what circumstances and what state was Abraham in when God appeared to Abraham? The answer to this question is within the phrase, <clears throat> as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. <clears throat> and so again, he was sitting at the door of the tent as a person who is waiting for someone. It is very interesting that the verb sitting in this place of scripture in Hebrew means live, dwell, abide, to stop, and to live, to marry a foreign woman. 
I will remind us that Abraham is a symbol of our new person living within our body. And entrance into the tents of Abraham are his mouth that are disciplined by gentleness. We know that all of us, the entry into our heart is our mouth, by which God will justify us and condemn us. To sit at the entryway of the tent is to give in marriage a foreign woman, a symbol of our soul that represents our flesh and blood. It is foreign, this flesh and blood is foreign. And the new person makes a covenant with him as a wife. In scripture, it says that flesh and blood do not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Upon practice, this means take upon yourself the responsibility for the salvation of your soul. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done that, the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, he who is coming will come and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith, but if anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back to perdition, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Hebrews 10, 35 through 39. <clears throat> First, the great reward consists in three components. That is the salvation of our soul by the means of losing it in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and obtaining it again in resurrection. Second, the salvation of our body in which we have a calling of the reward is to become a carrier of the heavenly body. This becomes a guarantee for us that gives God proper grounds to reward us at the coming of the Lord in the air. The Canaanite land and those who dwell within it, the, the enemy nations represent the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and pride of life. This is a symbol of our body. And the heat of the day is the wrath of God that is called to be poured out upon the five cities of Canaan. And the main two were Sodom and Gomorrah. Third question. We need to pay attention to the act that Abraham had done, providing God proper grounds to allow Abraham to see him. He looked up and saw three men that stand in front of him. To look up is to look. He was sitting, again, at the heat of the day, and he, tur he turned his eyes and looked upward. And so the phrase to look, uh, lift your eyes is to stand up, to jump up, to meditate, and to focus your attention or your image thinking upon the promises that are demonstrated in the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. And there will be a sign in the sun, in the moon, <clears throat> and in the stars, and on the earth distress of nations, with perplexity the sea and the waves roaring, men's heart failing them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads, because your redemption draws near. Luke 21, 25 through 28. Fourth question, pay attention to what Abraham did when in the purity of his heart, he was meditating about the adoption of his body by the redemption of Christ, and he saw God. The scriptures say he saw he ran to greet them and bowed down to the earth, saying, If I have found favor in your sight, do not pass by your servant, and I will bring you a little water and shall wash your feet. 
под всем деревом. Под всем деревом. Потому что Дубрава Мамли. And so from this oak tree, the Ark of Salvation was made. He had made a covenant here. He had made a matrimonial union with the Word. We take the promise and we build out of the Word of God our own Ark of Salvation. There is one <coughs> indisputable condition that exists that is necessary to be fulfilled that gives God proper grounds to fulfill for us and satisfy our hunger and thirst. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. Genesis 1, 1 through 3. We see an active waiting and fulfillment of God's promises and perseverance. The Holy Spirit knew the thoughts of the Heavenly Father, what God intended to do, and He actively was waiting. He was trembling and He was waiting. He, God saw this thirst of the Holy Spirit and the desire for it to be fulfilled, and God knew that everything He will give will only be when there's thirst and hunger. What? We need to pay attention to the promise that God gave Abraham when he received the prepared by Abraham's food. And he has said to her, until this time you will have a son. And then he had accompanied them and let them go. And as we remember, he said, will I give to Abraham what I desire to give him? And all the nations of the earth will be blessed by him. For I've selected him so that I can give the command for my sons that come after him to follow my ways and my commandments. We need to make a covenant with all of, my, all of our organs. How is it to make a covenant? <clears throat> how was he able, how are we supposed to make a covenant with every individual? So we need to tell our eyes so that they look where we want them to look. And so you, you make a covenant with your eyes so that you can look, say, at your own wife. We need to make a covenant with all of the organs, with all, every part of our body, member of our body, so that it served the Lord, because that part of our body, that organ of our body will become sick, and we will need to tell them, turn, to, turn them toward God's promise, that I have made a covenant with you, and you will not die, you will not be destroyed, God will, you will not be corrupted, God will restore you. Someone may be losing a foot, maybe their arm, maybe they're they don't have kidneys, an eye, whatever it may be. God says, look at the promises, I will return to you all of these things. When the people came out of Egypt, there were a lot of people, not just sick, but also disabled, without arms, without legs, without ears, without eyes. They were beaten, they were hurt, and they did take their limbs from them. This is how they treated the slaves. And there were also accidents that occurred 
But when they came out, God had restored them, their health and all members of their body, all the limbs were returned to them. And for this to happen so that he, uh, people can count on this, we need to make a covenant with all organs of our body, members of our body, that I made a covenant with God. And so you need to calm down and don't be afraid. Don't make me afraid and don't be afraid yourself. Everything will be restored. You need to communicate with yourselves, with your direct organs with your body so that it not become afraid when you come to the mirror you become disappointed look in the mirror and tell yourself don't be afraid i've made a covenant with you your face will shine and this will truly happen this needs to be present clearly written upon your heart and the lord will fulfill it as he did for abraham and so when God had periodically reminded Abraham that he would make him a father of many nations and the land that he is standing upon will become his own then in this meeting he already gave him specific time frame in a year that he will he will visit him again and her wife will have a son we talked about this what this means this is redemption this is the year of the redeemed as soon as you understand who God is for you what he's done for you and who you are for him when you understand your calling that it consists in adopting your body by the redemption of Christ because this is the goal of God the goal of God is not evangelism the goal of God what good is is it if you obtain the whole world but lose your soul if your body will not be redeemed by the body of Christ what good will it be for you you will not obtain anything this way God wants you to become a light for him when you accept this promise then you become a light for the world and that is when God himself will attract to the light his own people whom he called to salvation Right now we will pray and all those who desire to resist the fears that may be with them from Satan or from the flesh that nothing will work out for you. Everything will work out for you and you will be able to make it if you're, ca if you're bound by sins. You can be unbound because not look at the fact that you're bound by sins, you've heard your purpose, who God is for you, what he has done for you, <clears throat> and how much he loves you and that he is vigilant over his words in the temple of your body right now we will pray for you and may the Lord do his good work for you his mercy amen
I'm going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe in the fact that the Lord is for you. He's not against you. Your eyes are closed. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that you're ready to receive, that your hands are lifted up without wrath and without doubt. You're confident that God is for you. He's not against you. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I open up my heart. I love you. And I am ready to fulfill your commandments. Allow me and give me power. Help me to be free of the dependence of sin, dependence of my lusts and my ambitions. I hate them. I reject them. And I believe that I have died in you for my lusts and I have resurrected to live for righteousness. I thank you for the promises of the, for the adoption of my body by the redemption of Christ. I have accepted this. I keep it as the apple of my eye. I wait for it. I sit at my tent and I look upward so that you can fulfill <coughs> and show me your mercy according to your words. May in my body the stronghold of death be destroyed and all illnesses may they depart from my body may you be lifted up within my body your healing and I thank you I accept my justification my healing and salvation of my body in the name of Jesus Christ Amen may the Lord bless you may he look upon you with his great face and show you mercy and give you peace. May thousands and may ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May you be blessed with the blessing of the great and glorious, with the promise of the adoption of the body by the redemption of Christ. May it grow within your heart in fullness in fullness of measure of growth in Christ. May the Lord protect you and your children. May all this come upon you and be fulfilled upon you. Amen. May the Lord be blessed and may his mercy be blessed. And now I would like for us to proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen